good morning, and how are we today? We're doing all right out there? Yeah, welcome. Hey, thank you. That's great. It's uh, also, you know, here we are. We just celebrated July 4th, and summer always, for me, just reminds me of road trips. And we've been in this series of road trips, and, and I got to tell you, I love, road, I love road trips. I grew up on them. Uh, as a family, we would pack out in our 1982 Ford Escort and travel across the country. Uh, later, we upgraded to a 1986 Chrysler minivan. Maybe you've seen those. Um, not recently, mind you, but you've seen them. And uh, we would travel all over as a family, me and my brother fighting in the back seat, uh, you know, those types of things. But road trips are a part of my life growing up. Uh, and so much so, like, even in where we grew up in Texas, um, I mean, just going to the next town was a road trip because it's so big, you know. And there was a time in college, I went on a road trip started at my college town of College Station, Texas, and we drove east 10 hours in the same direction and never left the state. If we'd have just gone the other way, we would have traveled across five states and ended up in Florida. But I digress. Anyway, I, what I'm talking about is road trips, and there can be a lot of fun. And uh, we, uh, as a family even, when I graduated college, I moved 15 hours away from our closest family. And my wife and I, we went to school in, in separate states uh, in college, and so we road tripped a lot. But even after we got married and, and got our job, we would travel a lot. And one of the road trips I want to tell you about with Laura and I, we were traveling from, we, uh, we were going from Texas, had just visited my parents, and we were, we were traveling back up to Colorado. And one of the things that Laura and I love to do is, is pull off at strange attractions or funny town names um, and take pictures by road signs and things like that. Uh, and we don't have any of those pictures because that was in a time when it wasn't digital and I lost all those little cameras that you... <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to take them in. But um, <laughs> so we, we, we would pull off at these weird towns and take pictures. And um, we, we were driving up in the, in the panhandle of Texas. And we were, it was about lunchtime. We were starting to need gas. And we were like, hey, what's the next town? And lo and behold, we see the sign. And it says, happy Texas. We're like, what? We have to go to happy? Like, this is gonna be great. We're gonna find a Sonic. That was our jam, by the way, back in the day. We're gonna find a Sonic and get uh, cherry limeade. And then we're gonna get, you know, find a Conoco and get gas. And we're gonna enjoy Happy Texas like nobody has ever enjoyed Happy Texas before. And so we pull off the highway on that off ramp there for Happy Texas. And two things became very clear to us. The first was they don't know what Sonic is and there was not a working gas station in that town. And two, Happy Texas is not accurately named. <laughs> if you are from Happy Texas, I'm sorry. And if you're watching online and you are in Happy Texas, come to Northern Colorado. Uh, sorry. So we, uh, needless to say, we got back on the on-ramp and we were out of there and we found the next town and went about our way. We kept with our mission of getting back to Colorado, God's country. Amen. All right, here we go. There we are. Uh, so yeah, road trips. I'll say this. The one thing that can define any road trip you have, like I told you just a second ago with my happy Texas story, that was not the road trip. The road trip, if you caught it earlier, was from Texas to Colorado. That's the road trip. But your road trip can easily be defined and determined by your off-ramps. 
And that's what we're gonna talk a little bit about today is these off-ramps. And an off-ramp simply defined is, uh, I looked this up in case you were wondering, uh, so it's true. I read it on the internet. It says that uh, an off-ramp is a one-way road leading off a highway. All right, that's good. That's, that's fine. We can all get that. that it's a segment of roadway that leads us off of, of the, the journey for just a moment. I would say that it's also a moment, although an off-ramp can be the end of your road trip as well. It could be the end destination. We hope that it isn't a distraction. Uh, and with off-ramps, there is a bit of mystery with some of them, a bit of fun, uh, and there can also be some excitement, but there can also be loss and lost, distraction, diversion. So we wanna look at off-ramps and, and, and look at those as we go through here. And, and with off-ramps, one thing I've always wanted to do, I should probably just do it real quick here at 34 and I-25, is to hit the four-leaf clover, you know, where you have all four exits. And if you hit all of them, you can end up going back the same direction at the same time. I've always wanted to do that. I just need to go ahead and do that. That's an off-ramp, but it, it's quick. It's easy. You can get on with it. There's also an off-ramp. So, you know, there's places to eat. That, that can be a good thing. Uh, there's places to discuss discover, uh, and, and all of that. But with off-ramps, there's really three main types of off-ramps, okay? So, so bear with me here. There's, there's off-ramps that are needs, there's off-ramps that are attractions, and there are off-ramps that are distractions. And quite frankly, every off-ramp can have some of each of those. But with off-ramps, you can be in those three things. So needs, you think about it, gas, food, a rest stop, Woo. You need that sometimes. Uh, and you also have attractions. Maybe you've uh, seen you know, fun things that on the highway that you want to go visit, points of interest, uh, historical sites. Uh, I think of some of the attractions, and I've got a few slides of the attractions that I've seen and driven past and, and also looked up online. But uh, the first one is maybe you want to see the world's largest ball of twine. Yeah? Anybody know where that is? Cocker, Kansas, Kansas, right there. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we live there. Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding, no. All right, so then there's also the Idaho Potato Museum. Yeah, anybody? No one, okay, well, they got potatoes. I'm sure they're good. Everybody likes French fries. Let's go there. Uh, what about Ben and Jerry's Flavor Graveyard in uh, Waterbury, Vermont? Anybody? Now, when I looked this up, there were actually people, oh, you've been there. <laughs> there there's actually people like hugging old flavors they no longer serve on, on the, like, they're like, oh, I miss you so much. You know, I'm like, wow, okay. Well, that, that would be a distraction if you were wondering. But in this case, we're gonna label it as an attraction. But uh, so you have these uh, different venues of needs and attractions and even distractions. And like I said, these are, the distractions on off-ramps can be a little crazy. Because maybe you don't intend it, like my happy Texas story. I didn't intend to, to end up in that spot with it, that didn't provide any of the needs or attractions we were looking for. It was just a distraction. It led us away from our mission. It led us away from what we were headed to do. And with off-ramps, if we look at, those are just the road trips, like the literal road trip off-ramps. But I think if we are serious and we look internally, we can see in our life, in the, the figurative road trip of life that all of us are on, that there are off-ramps we face every day. There are off-ramps to our mission of life that we are, we are going about. So let's think about that for just a minute. Um, with the road trip that you are on, that you are, you're specifically on right now, whatever part of the journey that you are on in your life, where are your off-ramps? 
What are you, you might be facing one here today. And, and so some examples are that, of some of these off-ramps that could be uh, maybe something you're facing like a job decision. And it doesn't have to be negative. It could be a promotion that you're, you're seeking. That could be an off-ramp that you need to look at and deal with. It could, it could be feeling the need for a change in your job or, or to move on. There's also uh, maybe you're facing some money trouble. That can be an off-ramp that you have to address, and that's a need. There could also be relationships. Maybe you're thinking about this person that you want to be in the next step of a relationship with them, or there's a friendship that's sour and it needs to be fixed. That, these are the off-ramps that we're facing. There could also be uh, maybe you're uh, facing an addiction, and that off-ramp has kept you going on your road trip of life. You keep getting off on that ramp and it keeps distracting you. You could have pain you're dealing with or an education decision and a decision of where to go or maybe what to study, whether you should go back or keep going in your education. We all face any number of uh, off ramps on our road trip every single day. And so my question for you today is to look at that. What are the off-ramps in your life? If you know you're on this road trip and you're going this direction, what are the things that keep you coming off? What things need to be addressed so that you can get back on? And so today we're gonna talk about these off-ramps and how to deal with them. And we're gonna be, we've been looking in the book of Acts as, as we've gone through uh, our series of road trip this summer. And, and we're looking at how the early church dealt with uh, some of these off-ramps. And the lead-up to today's scripture is out of, it's, it's in Acts 6, by the way, and the lead-up in Acts 5 is that they've already dealt with some pretty, two pretty big major off-ramps that, they've, that the early church had to deal with right away. Um, and, and so they, they're, they're cruising along. They're on their road trip, this early church, and, and things are going great for them, but they've had some distractions and some things come up that they had to deal with right away. And, and in Acts 5, they were dealing with a little bit of difficulty of persecution, and they also had a problem of dishonesty that they've just dealt with, some pretty major things in their church. And then they come to another one. Here in Acts 6, where things are going well, but they have to address some very serious internal community problems. And so let's, let's jump into it and take a look. And I, I believe the scripture will be up here on the screen. And it's in Acts 6. You can see this on your program notes. You can also follow along online uh, in, the, in the YouVersion Bible app. But let's, uh, I'll read this out loud here as you follow along. During this time, as the disciples were increasing in number, by leaps and bounds, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers, the Hellenists, toward the Hebrew-speaking believers, because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines. So the 12 called a meeting of the disciples and they said, it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the word of God to help with the care of the poor. So friends, choose seven men from among you whom everyone trusts, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, and we'll assign them this task. Meanwhile, stick to our assigned, we'll stick to our assigned task of prayer and speaking God's word. The congregation thought this was a great idea and they went ahead and chose Stephen, a man full of the faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Porchorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, and a, and a convert from Antioch. And these were their seven. And they, then they presented them to the apostles. Praying, the apostles laid hands and commissioned them for their task. 
the word of God prospered. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically, and not least, a great many priests submitted themselves to the faith. Okay, that was a lot. You guys good? You following the story? So we have, this, we have this story where things are going along, right? Imagine, picture it. They're on this road trip. They're, they're cruising. They've got the top down. They're listening to their favorite playlist. Things are going great. People are, are meeting with Jesus now. and they're, they're, the, the word of God is, is, is going bananas. And then something pops up. And they're faced with this, road, this, this off-ramp. And, and as we look at this, they're, they're experiencing two incredible things, explosive growth and internal turmoil. It's, it's a thing. It's a big deal. And you can almost expect that it would be there. Um, and and they, they need to deal with it right away. The potential of this off-ramp being distracting and diverting of who they are and their mission could destroy their entire trip, the entire church. So, because you have, what you have is you have the Greek speaking believers and, and the Hebrew speaking believers in, in two different sides on this issue. And they're, 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 they're kind of always a little bit at odds and talking about this. And here comes this issue. Well, you're not taking care of our people. And this, it's, it's like you have two, two camps within the same community on different sides of the line, um, not necessarily seeing eye to eye. And they're using a people group to pick a fight. Sound familiar at all in our, in our world today? It is. We know it, we can see it, and that's happening. But let me point this out. Those, the widows that were not being cared for, that's the issue. Unfortunately, they were also wrapped up in this other, like he said, she said fight and going after it. And, and, but what we wanna focus on today is the care of the people that need it. Address the road, the off-ramp so that we can stay on the road. And so um, <clears throat> what is the off-ramp here altogether? Caring for people. That's the off-ramp that they were dealing with. Despite all the other distractions that might be going on, caring for people, that widows were not receiving the food and care they need. And so let's, let's look at it and see how the early church can help us deal with our off-ramps in life. So how to deal with off-ramps, you can see this in your notes as well. The first point to that is to identify the need. Identify the need. And in this church, in this church the early church, uh, there was a very real need right off the bat. And, and when you look at this need is, the need, is it a need? Is it an attraction or a distraction? Remember we talked about the types of off-ramps. Is it a need? Is it an attraction or a distraction? And if you can identify which category that is, it helps you determine how to move on from that off-ramp. And so uh, caring, caring for people will always be a need, by the way. Always. Much like a car on a road trip needs gas. We need to care for people. And so how did they identify the need? Let's look at the text here in verses one and two. It says, during this time, as the disciples were increasing in number by leaps and bounds, hard feelings developed between, among, sorry, among the Greek-speaking Greek believers, the Hellenists, toward the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines. So the 12 called a meeting of the disciples. 
they recognized the need, they saw it, and they, they, they were like, okay, let's get in here and let's figure this thing out. They called a meeting. They identified the need, whether it was brought to them in a concern or what, but they, they were made aware. And they called a meeting to, to start figuring it out. See, at that time, widows were regarded as needing community care when no family member was available. In fact, it was even part of many uh, marital contracts that there would be money set aside in case the husband passed away and wouldn't be able to care for her, that there was, there was money there. And in, in this case, the church was stepping in to care for these people. And for whatever reason, they were slipping up in this, this scenario. So they, they decided they needed to address it. And when you're, not, when you're faced with caring for people and, and it's not addressed well, it can be really, really damaging. And so they, they, uh, they, they did it. They went in and they addressed it. And they, um, so how can we look at this? How can, in this sense, they identified that there was a need there. So how can we learn from this? How can we identify the need? And I would say this, to identify the need, it's really kind of three things. There's probably a lot more than this, but I boil it down to these three, and that is to be aware, to listen, and ask. To be aware, listen, and ask when you think about identifying the need. And to be, around is, be aware is just to look around. What do you see? Who needs help? Who needs care? And it doesn't have to be a big deal. It can be something small, but where, where is the need in your community? I think about in my own neighborhood, uh, when I moved into my house about seven years ago, uh, right across the street from me, I live on the corner, and right across the street on the other corner was a woman that was, uh, her kids were older and graduated college and were moving on, and one was getting married, and she was going through a divorce at that time. And that was a, that was a uh, winter that we had a lot of snow. And I remember being out there shoveling my driveway, and because we both lived on the corner, you know, the sidewalk that reaches around all the way to Kansas, um, <laughs> I have to shovel that one too, so you're welcome. But the, uh, uh, <laughs> she had the same corner uh, on the opposite side, and I just felt terrible as I was out there struggling on my own, uh, my own driveway and sidewalk that she would have to do that by herself. And so I thought about that, and I'm like, I'm just gonna go over there and do it. And because I was aware of what was going on in her life, I went over and I, I shoveled her driveway sidewalk, and literally that winter, I did it. Well, and every winter since then, I've done that driveway and sidewalk every time. And it's not a thing. It was just because I was aware that she was in need. To be aware, to look around, see the needs that are there and, and go after it. Uh, you can also listen to, be, to, to identify the need. Listen. Listen to concerns. Concerns can be like your gas gauge. They'll let you know. Concerns will let you know where you're at. When you, when you hear people talk about concerns and some things you can deal with and some things you can't, but you, you'll at least know, you'll be able to identify where the need is if you're listening. And, and then sometimes concerns can turn into complaints. And I will warn you about complaints because complaints oftentimes are just concerns that go unaddressed. And then they start grumbling and, and murmuring and it, and it turns into a really negative, nasty thing. But if you can listen to the concern and get out in front of it, you can deal with it a lot quicker. So listen uh, is the second one, and then ask. Ask your neighborhood. Maybe you have an HOA that you could ask where are the needs in your own neighborhood. You can ask uh, your church. We, we have needs here. We, we ask as a church, actually as an organization, we ask lots of people. We're engaged with LHA, the Loveland Housing Authority, as well as the House and Neighborly Services. Uh, we, why is it that we do the giving tree? 
We ask where the needs are and we, we do a big giving tree, which is, by the way, one of my favorite events that we do as far as serving our community uh, every year is that one and, and the giving tree. And then our partnership with Edmondson Elementary just up the road. We ask all the time, what are your needs? How can we help you? And for you to have that same mentality for all of us, it's not just an organization asking, it's individuals saying, where can I get involved? How can I help? Where are the needs? So again, remembering step one is to identify the need. That's how we're gonna deal with these, road tri- or these off-ramps initially is identify the need. Step two in that, uh, how to deal with off-ramps is to uh, address the need. So you, if you find out you're, you're asking, you're listening, you're being aware of where the needs are, and then you need to figure out, you find out what the need is, and you can, you can address that need by simply making a plan. That's what address the, the need means. Make a plan. Decide I'm gonna get involved and start to figure it out. And, and if we look at the text here in, in, verses, in verse four, the beginning of four, it says, so friends, Choose seven men from among you whom everyone trusts, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, and we'll assign them this task. So they, they identified the need in the, in the verse I read a minute ago, and here they're addressing it. Do this. Get a plan together. Get these folks together and fix it. And it continues. So they chose those seven candidates that we read off a minute ago, and they presented them to the apostles. Praying, the apostles laid hands and commissioned them for their task. So they didn't just say, hey, do this. They followed up. They, they, there was some accountability to, hey, do this part. They did it. And then they commissioned them and said, you seven, go, do, fix. And they did. They made a plan. They assigned people to it and they, they made it work. You know, like regarding my neighbor, if I, if I realize I, I identify the need that there, she's got snow on her driveway and she's also really busy, it's just a hard time of life, like go, you know, and I was like, oh, that's too bad. And I just shovel my own. Like, yeah, I identified the need, but I didn't follow through. That's not caring for people. Being aware doesn't mean that you're caring. So follow through, I, I, I made a plan. I, I would even have to set my alarm a little bit earlier to get up to make sure I got all, all the snow up for both of those. So I made a plan and I acted on it. Uh, and in and, and this, later in this text, the word priest comes up and I'm gonna get into that right now at this point. We haven't read it as far as the sequence, but it comes up at the end of the text overall. The, the word priest uh, and some of us have a weird sense about what that word means. And I just want to define it for what the, it means in that time and what, what a priest is. Because um, the, a priest it acts as a mediator. They represent God's love to the people. They act as an ambassador, a chosen vehicle through whom God has chosen to serve the people and to be a representative. And I say that word priest that, that in this moment, they had commissioned these seven to go and actually be priests to fix this problem, to act as an ambassador for God and his love to the community. And they did that. That's what they did. They assigned a priest. And so how can we, what can we learn from this? How can we address the needs? Well, we can use the indicators and the things that are given to us to, to make a plan. We develop a plan. Like if you're going along, I'll keep with the road trip gas station thing because it seems to be an overarching theme here for me today. Sorry about that. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, when my gas light comes on, 
I make a plan, right? Okay, I need to get off the highway and I need to get gas. I start looking for those exits. I, I start thinking about, and if I'm in like, like a highway that has three or four lanes, I should probably start moving over to the right. I start to make a plan. I get an idea of how I'm gonna execute this thing. And, and, and so we, we can look at that. We start to make a plan. And we can assign people if we need to. So you can identify the need, you start to make a plan and you start to get people to help you in, in, in situations. And it doesn't have to be you alone fixing that problem. I wanna be clear on that. If you identify a need, it doesn't just have to be you. You can get people together. And you can, you can figure out a way. You can make a plan that it, that to, to fix this thing. And, and so to Barbara, Brand, Barbara Brown Taylor, an author, says it this way. To be a priest is to know that things are not as they should be, and yet to care for them the way they are. So I'm gonna read that again. To be a priest is to know that things are not as they should be, and yet to care for them the way they are. And so we as as people, as maybe even take on the name priest in these scenarios, to be able to see that that's not how it should be and I'm gonna care for it anyway. I'm gonna go after it. So again, how do we deal with the off ramps in life? Step one is to identify the need. Step two is to make a plan or address the need. And then step three is to work the plan. To work the plan. To get on with your trip, I've gotta work the plan. And what I mean by that is when you're faced with these off-ramps, you, you need to look at get, getting, getting that off-ramp accomplished, fixed, do whatever, get your gas, get your food, whatever you need to do, and get back on your road trip. That's the whole point of an off-ramp is, is that it's a, a small stop to get going again. And when faced with an off-ramp, we need to look at that. And, and they even say this here in, in, this, in the in the text we read a minute ago, it said, we'll stick to our assigned task of prayer and seeking and speaking God's word. So they made a plan, they saw it through and had it executed and, and they kept on their journey. Kept on their journey of speaking God's word. And, and so when you make this plan, again, we talked about this a second ago, get others involved. Get others involved. And that's, honestly, that's discipleship. When you think about it, when you, we, that's, a, that's a, a way to get people involved is, is to work the plan. Uh, you can't make a plan and not execute. Am I right? Like, think about that. If you, if you, if I was just talking about the gas thing again. If we make a plan like, okay, I, I've got it. My tank is getting empty. I need to get over. I need to get off. And then you never actually get off. You're gonna run out of gas. So you gotta make the plan and then execute. Execute it. There's gonna be... There, uh, there's a gas station coming two miles. I'm, I'm moving over, I'm getting ready, I'm gonna get off, I'm gonna get gas, and then I'm gonna get back on. Make a plan go all the way through. And um, what would have happened in this story if the plan wasn't addressed? If it wasn't actually worked out? With these, with these the widows that were in need of care and food we're, with that issue, they, they identified it. Yep, you're right, that's a need. Let's get these seven people together and, and you guys can kind of think about it. Well, they still wouldn't be cared for. They still wouldn't be cared for. They'd made a plan and they worked the plan. 
They got it figured out. And, they, and that, because of that, they can move on with their road trip and continue to see good things happen. And so how do we work the plan? Let me say it this way, quite frankly, for all of us, is to use the gifts that you've been given. Get involved. Use your gifts to help others on your road trip of life. So when you identify the need and you address the need and you you start to make a plan, then start working it out. What gifts do you have? How can you help others in your community? Don't assume that somebody else can do it. Don't assume that. Oh, somebody will get to that. Maybe not. Somebody will, will shovel my neighbor's driveway, surely. Probably not. Join a team. Or better yet, start one. To get involved, make a plan and work it out. Go for it. And, and with that, I'll say, I'll, I saw a great example of that this year. In, in our student ministry, we, uh, we, we've seen incredible things happen in the last six months with student ministry. And we, ha- I have, we have a volunteer here at the church. His name is Ross, Ross Wabik. Many of you know him. He came up to me early January and was like, hey, I'd like to get involved with students. And I was like, great, come along. I've got all these things for you to do. And <laughs> he was like, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a bankruptcy attorney. You know, I'm, I don't know if the kids will like me. I'm older. You know, he was playing this game. And I'm like, oh, come on, Ross, you'll be great. And, and we, we got him involved and he started leading a small group on Wednesday nights, which his students absolutely love him. He, uh, he, when we have our youth group stuff going on on Sunday mornings or our big events that we have every now and then, Ross is the first one to jump into whatever ridiculous game we're playing. <laughs> I, uh, someday, if you want, I have some on my phone. I didn't have time to get it uploaded for this, but there's, there's pictures every time we do a dance contest, he's the winner, at least in my eyes. <laughs> I, I have video to prove that, uh, but Ross has jumped right in. He saw a need, he goes, I'd like to get involved with these students. I just think they need people in their lives investing in. He jumped right in, he made a plan. He's a small group leader and he is an incredible volunteer on Sunday mornings and Ross is killing it over there. Not not good word to use when you're talking about students. He's doing a great job over there and the students absolutely love him. And and that was, he just, he took the, the leap. He jumped in, he got on that off-ramp for a minute, he made a plan, he executed, and now maybe his direction of his road trip changed a little bit because of that. So again, when we're looking at off-ramps and off-ramps of life, and when they come up, there's three steps of how we can deal with it, and that's to identify the need, identify the need, address the need, and then work the plan. Work the plan. And here's what we can see the outcome was. When we look at this story, what happened? What was the outcome? Well, first of all, the widows were taken care of. What's fun about this story, and I actually love that it's in there, they don't even talk about what they did. We know that there was a plan and they fixed it, but the, the complaints and the concerns stopped. It was done. They got back on the highway. They were cruising again on their road trip. And, and they, they were able to keep going and the word of God prospered. Look at verse seven, the word of God prospered. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically. Not least, a great many priests submitted themselves to the faith. And the term prospered there, this is an active word. It says prospered, so it's in past tense. Luke wrote it that way, but the, the actual terminology there and the way that it was written is an active word. 
as in not completed, as in keeps going today. That word prospered the way it was written right there. It was not completed. And then the other words increased dramatically right there in that phrase points to a divine work, a divine work. It increased so much so that you could not explain it from human reasoning that God had to be in in charge of it. So we can see that God is at work in their lives and that people were being impacted for the gospel because they dealt with an off-ramp. They identified the need, they, they addressed the need and they worked the plan and they kept going. And God was at work in their lives. So what does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with us as a church? Well, let me say this, what is, what is our road trip? As a church, I can say this, like we desperately wanna see people increase in their relationship with Jesus and each other, that we're gonna keep pushing that. And we also wanna care for people. All people, you've heard us say it, all are welcome. We, we wanna care for people right where they're at, in this room and otherwise. And that is our road trip as a church. That's where we're going. And, and so how can we live in this? Well, let me just be, be clear with you. It's an exciting time at Crossroads. Next weekend, we just talked about that, about uh, a candidate coming to speak as a new lead pastor. We've never gone through that. We've seen growth in our, our children's area, our student area. We have uh, things happening all over this church right now. It's super exciting. And, and there, we're on this incredible road trip. It will not always be smooth. It will not always be smooth. We're gonna face off-ramps just like this, the early church of Acts did. We're gonna, we're gonna learn things, we're gonna grow from things and we're gonna have to keep fighting through that. And so with these, some of these off-ramps we need to address. What are the needs? What are the attractions? And what are the distractions? And identify those needs and deal with them appropriately. If it's a need, like I'll say this, caring for people will always be a need. We're always gonna be trying to manage that. We're always gonna try to care for people in any form. I think about some of the ways that we're doing that right now. We think about special friends. What an incredible ministry we have here for special friends. We've got children, children's ministry going on, student ministry happening. We have uh, food and homeless shelters, things that we deal with with that. We have our mission trips that we've taken. In fact, we took a bus, we have a, a van load of kids that left today. I think we have a picture of them right there. They are a van load of kids that left this morning for South Dakota to go do home repair on a Native American reservation. That's, they're on their way right now. And so we, we see that there is caring for people is something that we're, we're gonna continue to address and look for. And this, all of these things that I just listed off and many, many more, all of that takes people with incredible gifts and talents. It takes you. It takes priests like you to be ambassadors for God's love in our world, to keep us on our road trip. And some, we have other, those are some of the needs we have. We have other attractions. I think about like Oktoberfest, what a fun time. We're gonna do that again this year. I may have just spoke out of turn, but we're gonna do it now that I've said it online. Uh, <laughs> so hope that's okay. We're also, we also do things like attractional things like Project One. We just did that uh, a few weeks ago, an incredible event as well. And then we have to be careful of the off-ramps that are distractions. When concerns turn to complaints, when we say, well, I wish the church would do it this way for me. Those can be off-ramps that, that hurt and, and, and distract and divert from where we're going. 
So with that, to say it a little bit different way, to look at these off-ramps on our road trip of see the need, make a plan, and do what you can. And in and, and light of that, as far as doing what you can, let me tell you a story. Well, I just read this story, and I, I think it has quickly become one of my favorite stories I've ever read. Because this is someone that saw a need, he made a plan, and he did what he could. And that story is about Johnny the Bagger. Johnny the Bagger works for a grocery, a grocery store chain. And Johnny the Bagger, just so you know, also has Down syndrome. And based on the name I just gave you, you can understand what his job is for the grocery store. He's a bagger. And he went to a convention for this chain where they had the keynote speaker talked about uh, doing what you can in the store to impact people so much so that they would wanna come back the next time. And, and Johnny wanted to make a difference in people's lives. He wanted to make a difference. And so he, he left that convention. He left that convention with an idea and a willingness to make an impact. And he went home and he talked to his dad and they typed up some of his favorite quotes. And every day he would type out a new quote. He would read and find a new favorite quote of the day. And he would print them out on these pieces of paper and then cut them into strips. And he would keep them next to himself as he was at the, at the checkout counter on the, on the little thing there. And as, as he was bagging the groceries, the last bag, he would put one in the top and say, have a great day, I hope you enjoy the quote. And, he, and people would take that and leave. And he did that for a while. It wasn't too long before the manager noticed something kind of crazy happening at the store. At their store, Johnny's line for checkout was three times longer than the other lines in the store. And so being a manager, he's thinking, oh, we gotta get efficient here, we're gonna move people. And he walks over there and goes, hey, hey guys, we have uh, other, other spots over here, you can come on over. And, and everyone was like, no, we're staying here. We're staying in Johnny's line. And, and one lady even told the manager and said, hey, uh, I used to come once a week because I needed groceries. I come two to three times a week, whether I need groceries or not, to see Johnny smile and to read his quote of the day. And so Johnny then, you know, he's doing this and people are going through it. And then the manager noticed like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And something else happened in that store. Other people in other departments started doing what they could to impact positively the people around them. One of the, one of the ladies in the floral department, when they had broken flowers, would cut them and then pin them on the elderly people in, in, the, in the store as they walked by. The, the, one of the guys in the butcher shop area, in, he, in the meat department, he loved Snoopy. He started putting Snoopy stickers on all the meat when he would package it up and say, and actually started interacting with the customers. To the manager's surprise, he actually interacted with customers. <laughs> and all because, all of this, and, they, and this store, like it became famous in the town. People were coming there whether they needed groceries or not just to feel loved, just to feel cared for just because Johnny cared. Because Johnny stood up and decided to do something. Because he wanted to impact people's lives and he had an idea. And he would sign each one of those little slips of paper as he put them in the bag and said, enjoy your quote of the day. 
he identified the need that people wanna know, love, and be cared for. He addressed the need. He made a plan. He cut up pieces of paper. He signed them, and he put them in the bag because he worked the plan. And it didn't just stop with him. It impacted their whole community. So for us, how can we be like Johnny? How can we be like Johnny, learning from the early church of how to care for people, whether it's an off-ramp or just this need that needs to be out there? How can we do that and do something, literally anything, to care for people? Would you pray with me? God, we, uh, we think about Johnny and the care that he gave. And Jesus, as, as we look at being on a road trip of life and wanting to care for people and understanding that there are going to be off-ramps that will try to distract us and, and divert us away from caring for people, God, I just ask that you would be with us. Help us to identify the needs, address the needs, and work out the plan. For the simple purpose, God, that we love you and that you love us, and we want people to know that they are loved by you. So God, I just ask that you would be with us here as a church, as a community, not just as a beacon of hope in, in Northern Colorado, but a, hope, a beacon of hope for the entire world. God, I thank you for the example of the early church in Acts on how to see a problem, deal with it, and get past it so that we could stay true to who we are with you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.